When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey. He tells you things, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Huh. For the win! Good! Enrique Okunfawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame! Yeah. Lindsey Whalen, but okay. I was just telling Judd. In our last segment, Lindsey Whalen, I watched all three games of the women's Final Four. So uh, the, the the two games that went to overtime in the the Final Four round, and then last night, two of the best games I've seen at any level, men or women, all year. Both daggers at the end by Agunbowale. Unbelievable! Did you watch the games? Did you? I'm assuming you caught the ends at least. Yeah, yeah. No, I watched. I watched all three games start to finish actually this weekend. So I was. Um... I was definitely tuned in, and those games were, yeah, high suspense and just players making really unbelievable plays at the end of those games. And, and of course, the Goombawale with um, just those daggers. It was just pretty – it was a special weekend. And, um, you know, got to, we have a, a new star in women's college basketball, and that's pretty cool. It feels like with what you guys have done with the Lynx uh, and the, the Lynx-Sparks battles – and now, and UConn has put the college game on the map for years. But now Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame has been the runner-up twice in the last five years. They went to the, actually, they've been runner-up three times in the last seven years, final four almost every year. It feels like Notre Dame is up in that mix now, too. It feels like women's basketball is in a really, really good spot right now, Lindsay. Yeah, as I was, um, I was kind of, I felt that way, too, as I was watching and just kind of seeing the reaction of all, all types of different media outlets and and just the way that these players played this weekend and just the the clutch shots and I feel like it's at a a pretty pivotal point right now and I feel like it's I feel like it's good that we have all of these players making these plays and these exciting games and I feel like I feel like in the women I feel like in the college game I feel like UConn has raised the level of so many teams and then you see a team like Mississippi State you see a team like Notre Dame even Louisville, I mean, they had that game one against Mississippi State. So, uh, and then, in, and then, you know, in the WNBA and the professional level, you know, we've been there for seven years, and now you see a team like LA trying to catch us, and they caught us one year, and last year we had another great final. So, I think you've had these teams that have kind of figured it out and figured it out for a long period of time, and have been able to kind of sustain that that high level of play, and now all these other teams have been working all these years chasing them and chasing um, 
titles and they want they want to have their moments for their programs or their franchises and it makes for some really great battles because you still have the Yukons, you know, we're still here. And so this year, again, we're the hunted all summer. And so you saw all season, UConn was the hunted and you see what happens and it's some really amazing basketball. And um, it's a credit to, I guess, those teams that have really set that standard, but then everybody else too, for continuing to up their games and try to get to that level. Take us through that last shot, too, because, I mean, just the pressure there is huge, but to to put that shot up uh, as the clock winds down, what what's the difficulty of that, that shot from the corner that she made to uh, win the national championship? Yeah, I mean, at some points it's it was really tough because there was a lot of pressure, and then some, you know, tie game, you see she got two rhythm dribbles, and she was able to just kind of, you know, put it up and, um, I mean, an extremely difficult shot, but at the same time, she, you, it's one of those shots where you get to shoot it and kind of either way, something, you either go to overtime and you're the team that came back from five with about a minute 14 to go, or you make it and it's, you know, one of the greatest shots in the history. So um, those are fun shots to shoot because there's really nothing that can go wrong in that instance. So, um, and she was feeling it. Obviously, she was feeling it from the night before, and she actually didn't shoot well that game leading up to that point. She She got it going in the second half a little bit, but... Like I want to say she started 0 for 7 or, you know, 1 for 8, 1 for 9 from what I was kind of keeping track of. And I was, cause I was interested to see, okay, the weight of the last two days hitting that shot to beat um, UConn to make it to the finals. How does that affect it? Because now all of a sudden your phone is blown up. You probably have countless interviews to do. You probably didn't sleep. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to see how she would do. And throughout the first half of the game, you could see it was kind of wearing on her. But then obviously she was able to fight through and hit that ridiculous shot. What's that confidence like, too? Because if you put the ball in my hands with that, that much time left, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I have no chance. It's going to be it's going to be impossible. What What's that like to to have a shot, a shot like that and actually embrace it? Yeah, it's all about the practice and the, the preparation leading up to it. And so it's all those times you've been in that moment. And you, if you practice it, you're just going to be able to that much you don't have that much more confidence and so it's all comes down to just your coaches putting you in those situations in practice and you taking all those shots when you were from the time you were six years old in your driveway hitting a buzzer beater through in college working on those shots and and so yeah I mean if you practice it and you you do that enough then you're ready for that moment and so they clearly had a um you know they had an out-of-bounds play they were going to the mismatch uh, inside because Mississippi State Center had fouled out so they were trying to go to the the big kid inside, but they, they doubled and um, brought somebody down. Um, the inbounder defense actually went down and double teamed the, the post player. So then it was just like players had to make a play. And and the second half, that's pretty much what Notre Dame did. They they weren't really running offense. They were just trying to dribble, penetrate, and, and kick and, and try to get to the basket. So, yeah, it's all about practice and preparation. And then when that moment is there, just having the confidence to shoot it. Lindsay, what are the characteristics that make a great coach? If you had a checklist of things that – uh, that that make whether it's the connection with players or X's and O's, whatever it may be. What, what's your checklist for what characteristics make up a great coach? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, consistency every day and having a message that this is what we're going to do and this is kind of our blueprint, our foundation, and just having that same kind of the same mentality, the same thing every day. Um, I think uh, X's and O's are big, but I think. Um, in-game adjustments are huge. I think that that's what, um, you know, Muffet McGraw did a great job. She really 
had a couple of really good in-game adjustments. They were down 11, I want to say, to UConn, and they were down 15 um, the other night to Mississippi State and came back and won. So those are all just in-game adjustments. So um, preparation is huge. I mean, coaches, I know um, Cheryl watches hours and hours and hours of video, and she'll have game plans A, B, and C that she'll go into a game, and then she can adjust to those things depending on what's going on in the court. So, But I think just the overall message and the overall – getting better each day and it's like the little things it's kind of not flashy it's kind of monotonous but those are the things that really I think at the end of the season that you can lean back on and if you have that same routine if you have if you know this is what to expect every day then your players are able to just it kind of takes some of the variables out of it and they have more confidence so uh, a couple of those things I think would be really big uh, as a coach and that's where you know, playing for Cheryl, playing for Gino, those are the things that they do. They just have the same mentality and the same thought process every day, and then the players are able to just follow that consistency. Do you think it's a problem uh, that the Wolves seem to be having zero fun? I watch games, and we've talked about this quite a bit on the show. You watch games, and there doesn't, and I'm I'm not saying that that pro athletes should be like kids and have a ton of fun consistently. I get it's a grind, it's a job, but do you think it's a problem that we watch th- this team and from Tibbs on down, it just seems to be a constant grind. It just seems it seems like there's no joy for, for a team that's got a very good chance to make the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. Yeah, I think joy is the big word there from what you said, um, Judd, because that's where. Some days it's not always fun because you have an 82-game season for those guys and you have long flights. I know they're chartered, but it's still getting home early in the morning or very late at night. It is. I've been on a couple of those trips this year, and it can get to be very tiring. And so the most days, there, you know, there's a lot of days that just aren't quite so fun. So, But you have to have that, that joy and that passion that you – it's such a hard it's such a hard game. It's not a hard game to play, but it's just hard the seasons get hard. So you have to have that to lean back on. Otherwise it's gonna feel like here we go again and it's a grind. And so at this point of season the season it's it's tough because mentally it's it's now it's all pretty much mental at this point. And there's a lot of physical for sure. Everybody's a little tired and clearly a couple of Timberwolves players, a couple of our best players are dinged up, so then that puts a lot on the players who are playing right now so yeah last night I didn't see any of the game uh, because I was watching the women's game but from what I could tell it was uh, a team Utah who just came in and um, they caught the Wolves on a night anytime you have a road trip and then you come back it's sometimes those games are trap games and those games are are pretty tough so I think that they kind of could sense that and and they're fighting for a playoff spot and they wanted to come in and prove a point and the Wolves were just a little flat so hopefully they pick it up they have four games left and so they get a couple days rest so i think you'll see a much more refreshed team on on thursday night in denver see this is where i i'd love your perspective on this because you're not only are you a professional basketball player but you're a minnesota sports fan so you kind of blend both together when it comes to the timberwolves and and as someone who's been I think the Twins are the team that I get the most emotionally attached to, but the Wolves are probably number two, if I'm being honest. And I still I feel so conflicted this year in that they're probably going to make the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. It's the best thing we've seen on that court from a Timberwolves perspective in a decade and a half. But there's something about it that just feels it feels like they're not maxing out their potential, or like Judd said, that they just there's like a joyless nature about them. So I'm trying to decide, should we just shut up and, and enjoy 
a potential playoff season for what you know for what it is, or is there sort of a a, a wanting more aspect that that um, it just feels like there's a bit of a hollow nature to it? Does that make sense? Well, yeah, no. I, what I think what it is is that it's it's 82 games, the long season. There's every day. There's so much coverage of it of the NBA, and so you're kind of just riding this these waves of. They're playing great. They have great players to like, oh, my gosh, how can they lose to Memphis yeah. Memphis at home? Or when we were in Chicago, I did that Chicago game. Like, how can you lose to this team on the road? And so there's those games, but it, it's 82 games. It's so long. And then we've all been really hyped up because we had this new great coach. And now we have Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague and all these guys who – and we and oh, by the way, we still have two – you know, growing superstars. So we get these huge expectations, but yet the franchise hasn't been in the playoffs for, what'd you say, 14 years? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's hard because we want to, you know, a franchise like that, when you think back and sit back, we should be elated that we're in this position because we're fighting for the seventh and eighth seed after not making the playoffs for 14 years. But because there's so much attention, because there's daily media and there's daily, you know, they play every other day basically for seven months there's so much to look at and there's so much to, you know, kind of nitpick and pick apart that you, you are still like, they could be playing so much better and we could be fighting for a fifth or a sixth or a fourth seed at one point, a couple, just a month ago, they were in the three spot. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, your best, one of your best players goes down with a knee injury. That's pretty hard to sustain. But so I see, I, you know, like you said, I have that kind of perspective because I'm in it with the links. And then I also, you know, am a fan and I've been a fan of the team my whole life. So I'm there too because I'm like I wanted to see them get a high seed so they can win a they can win a first round and they don't have to play Golden State or Houston. But at the same time, I know how hard it is just to make the playoffs. And it's we have 12 teams; they have what 31, 32. So it's really tough to make. So um, I don't know. I'm gonna try to yeah enjoy these games, but they are you know when you're fighting for a spot, it's you know, you, you live and die with each possession. And when you see a game like that last night, it's clearly disappointing. Everybody was disappointed and. Now they will have to regroup and try to get – they have a back-to-back, which is not going to be easy, and L.A.'s playing well too. So it's going to be tough, but hopefully they get a couple of these wins and at least get in the playoffs because then, hey, Towns will have playoff games of experience. Wiggins will have playoff games of experience, and those are things that hopefully they can lean on moving forward. So if if Tibbs approached you and said, give me me one idea about a tweak that I could potentially make in – my coaching style. I mean, he's he's up the entire game. He yells, and, and I get that that his that, that a, a lot of, of what he's done th- through the years has worked for him. But if he asked you for one suggestion as far as a tweak, what would you tell him? Whew, boy, I don't know. I'm not. I haven't had done any coaching yet. Um, so <laughs> you've seen a lot, though. Tough to say. I've seen a lot. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, for me, I like. I like having two-man games in the fourth quarter that you can just go to. And so, you know, last year in game four, we needed it. We, we went to me and Phil in the two-man game. And then my, you know, everybody still was able to do their thing. But that kind of set the tone with Phil rolling the basket hard. So I, I feel like, um, you know, I usually go to offense because I'm like a point guard. And I know defensively they have a lot of areas to improve. He, he talked about that last night in his press conference. But I would probably say – uh, get Towns and a lot of ball screens. And then if teams are covering that up well, just post him up. And so I'm a big Towns. I mean, yeah. offensive stats are, like, ridiculous. So even when Jimmy comes back, I mean, I kind of feel 
hopefully Jimmy can come back at some point here because and get a few games under his legs before the playoffs. Um, I'd like to see T two man with Towns and and uh, and Jimmy buckets with Towns and a two man. I think that's probably their best bet offensively. And then, um, you know, defensively, it comes down to effort, communication, and those are things. And and it comes down to chemistry. And when you have so many new players, like yes. Taj Gibson is a veteran. Jimmy Butler is a veteran, but they haven't ever played with Jeff Teague before, and they haven't ever played with Andrew Wiggins and Belly and those guys. So, the defense is going to take a year like this or a couple years like this, where it's we have all this talent, but why are we 18th defending the three? Why are we, whatever they are, you know, protecting the paint? It takes a while. It takes chemistry and it takes time. So, to me, defensively is all for, with us. We were the same way in 2010, and then once me and Simone had chemistry, me and Brunson had chemistry. We knew, now we know where each other's going to be, and it's just a little easier. But, um, yeah, I would say for me, my best bet, if I was a coach, uh, two-man game, find that two-man game and just let everybody play off of that. Yeah, love it. Brilliant stuff, Great Lindsay. Stuff. We'll talk to you next week, all right? Thank you. All right, sounds good. Thank you, guys. Lindsay Whalen. And uh, actually, you know what? Jay Billis tweeted something about the difference between women's college basketball and the way that they set up games and something that men should adopt, at least for college basketball. Let's get to that, too, and recap a couple things Lindsay was just talking about. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd now continue. The sooner the better. On 1500 ESPN. Open the wallet. For the win. Good! Alike national championship for Notre Dame! So, yeah, that was... Those those women's Final Four games were unbelievable. Notre Dame has like four players out with torn ACLs over the past year or two, and they still beat UConn, and they still won the title. Mm-hmm. And Jay Billis with a great point. So if you watch if you watch women's college basketball the last couple of years, you see that they have four quarters instead of – it's four 10-minute quarters instead of two halves. And I'm just going to read his tweet here. And men's college basketball should absolutely be doing these things. Um, so they have co- four quarters. Team fouls reset for each quarter. I believe it's five team fouls for each quarter, and then you're in the bonus, as opposed to seven for a 20-minute half, and teams get to the bonus with 15 minutes left sometimes if right. the, the officials are foul happy, and now it's just a free throw fest the rest of the game. Uh, and then also they uh, you can reset, or I'm sorry, you can advance the ball to half court in the final minutes like you would in the NBA. Like we saw, yep. And it makes it so much more fun because now all of a sudden, oh, so so that shot goes in last night and there's .1 remaining, but you can advance it to half court and maybe get like a miracle tip shot or something from three-point range, but it just opens up more fun possibilities late in the game. And I don't know why the men I don't know why the men don't do four quarters. I don't know why the men don't vote to advance the ball to half court to make it more fun at the end of games, but women's basketball has nailed it in those regards for sure. Well, and this, this I mean, when I, I watched a bunch of the game on Sunday, that game was great. That's exciting. I was done with Villanova, Can- uh, Kansas on Saturday, probably, what, five minutes into that game? It was over. It was 16-4, to four and it was just And over, the Michigan yeah. game, the Michigan game, and they, they came back and won, wasn't bad, but it certainly was not great. The... The men's game to me, and th- this hurts because I like college basketball a lot, but the men's game to me, it becomes more difficult to watch. It really does. It's just not that compelling. And I don't know if it's, you know, a breakdown in fundamentals. I don't know if it's if it's how the game is structured as far as, like you just said, 
the bonus goes and timeouts go. But it's a chore now to watch yeah. an, an entire game, and it's just not fun. And I'm talking about tournament games now. I'm not talking about December games. So I think there's too many forced timeouts because in, in men's college basketball, in a 20-minute half, you have the under-16, the under-12, the under-8, and the under-4-minute TV timeouts. So there's just something about breaking it up into those four-minute chunks and it being a 20-minute half and... Uh, you know, team fouls. Like I said, you get to you get to your seventh foul with twelve minutes to go in the game, and now every foul sends someone to the free throw line for the last twelve minutes of the game. And it's then, ridiculous. And then the timeouts start. Yeah, and they just, start and they go on and on. You should never. There should be no situation where where the last I don't know thirty seconds of a game can take half an hour. It just should never happen. Yeah, and it's going to happen. Play. And it's going to happen more often in basketball because you're saving your timeouts and and like there's strategy and calling timeout, advance the ball. I get that, but uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing Lindsay Whalen said in that last segment, and she was she her analysis is spot on. If you think about it, you know she's been playing point guard at such a high level professionally for 15 or whatever, 12, 15 years, and then you know Big Ten. She's one of the smartest point guard minds in the country. Male or female. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when she talks about, you know, what would you do differently, you know, if you could give some advice to Tom Thibodeau and, you know, she wants to be respectful. She doesn't want to, you know, she respects Tom Thibodeau as a coach, but her answer was so thoughtful and spot on. Two-man game in the last minute. And so often the Wolves do this isolation. There was a shot, was it uh, the Mavericks game the other night, and Jamal Crawford had the ball late in the game, chance to ice the and Jamal Crawford is one of the best isolation players when he's hot of any player in the league. But I'm watching this play develop, and it's, oh, my God, no, no, don't do this. No, not ISO. Oh, come on. And it's hand in the face, and he and he buries the jumper. But, of course, you took it, yes. But that's the offense that Tom Thibodeau has been criticized for going back to Chicago, where everyone clear out, it's going to be Derrick Rose, one-on-one, driving and pulling up from 15 feet, and he's not even good at it. But if you were to incorporate this monstrous seven-foot efficient offensive player with everything you do, it makes the defense do different things and it opens up shots for other players. I mean, Carl Anthony, that's what she said. Run a two-man offense, Towns, pick and roll, and it's either Teague or Jimmy Butler when he comes back, or it could be Andrew Wiggins, but he's not a great ball well, handler. And, Ta- and Towns can shoot from anywhere. That's the frustrating thing here. We're not talking about a one-dimensional player. We're talking about a guy where if you give him the ball, it doesn't matter where. Yeah, I was explaining to you off the air uh, during the commercial break. There was a play, it was I think it was in was it yesterday or the Mavericks game. I can't remember exactly. It might have been yesterday's game, but it was and they got smoked yesterday, but but just this was the setup. He's a, he's a really good passer for a 21 or 22-year-old uh, you know, pr- pretty fresh in the NBA when it comes to automatic double teams. He's in the low block and he's got Belly on the wing and somebody else, it might have been like Aaron Brooks in the corner. I'm pretty sure it was Aaron Brooks in the corner who took the shot. Um, Derrick Rose was active last night, and Aaron Brooks played instead of yeah, Derrick Rose, which is interesting. Yeah. And so they dump it into Carl Anthony Towns in the post. And Towns, instead of dribbling right away and then getting doubled, and he, he holds the ball on the block, but outside the paint, so he's not getting called for a three-second violation. And he surveys for about two seconds. And he sees defender at the top of the key or on the wing kind of bouncing over, about to double-team him as soon as he starts to dribble. And so instead of dribbling right away, he surveys, say, okay, if he's going to come to me, then this is the rotation over here, so I need to, I need to. When, once I start my dribble, 
I'm going to get double teamed, and then I kick, then I'm two passes away from an open corner three. And so he's, you can see him processing this. Okay, dribble, double team, belly over to Brooks, and now he clanked the three. But it's like you're if you if you just dump it in, you're two passes away if they double team from a wide open corner three, the most efficient shot in basketball. Yeah. Yes, and you could do that more often in the fourth quarter, and they obviously did against the Hawks because he this, just scored 56 points. But all of this brings us back to a very simple question: When Tibbs took the year off, the forced year off, and he went and watched Pop run practice for the Spurs and Stevens run practice for Boston. Did he take any notes at all? Like you're watching these these basketball minds, right, who differ from you. And good for Tibbs. That's a brilliant idea. Go and learn. Mm-hmm. Go, you know, I've been le- I've been I've been the same coach since my mussy day. So I'm going to go learn from Pop and Stevens. And oh my gosh, they do things really differently. How do you not come away saying, wow, you know, I've got this guy. I've got this superstar center now. And by the way, he can also play point guard. He can play everywhere. And you don't have new ideas for him. Yeah, as our guy Lubomir points out, uh, loyal listener on Twitter here, he says Wiggins, Butler, slash Teague, or Cat should be, and I would put Jamal Crawford in that category too, should be in pick and roll in like 75% of possessions, and it never happens. I'd love to see a number on that. You know, especially in the fourth quarter, it would seem, and I'm not a, I'm not a great backs basketball X's and O's guy, but it would seem that with a seven footer who can shoot from anywhere or score inside or dribble drive too, you know, on the if if he rolls, um, it would seem that it's almost unstoppable in the fourth quarter. If you seem, were to run that yes. every single time with different combinations, yes, it would seem almost unstoppable. So, I don't know. Dave, what kind of stuff do you have coming up for us? A lot of baseball-related items from Major League uh, Baseball's first weekend. Some on the field, some in the broadcast booth. All right. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. These men are consummate snowball artists. Mackey and Judd. Is this true? Yes, it's true. On 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by KFC. KFC's $20 Phillips will feed a family of four with eight pieces of delicious Kentucky Fried Chicken, two sides of taters and gravy, coleslaw, and four flaky biscuits for just 20 bucks. KFC, it's finger-licking good. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America. And the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. <laughs> and did you say, Dave Harrigan, it's a stuff packed with baseball items? <laughs> a lot of baseball items, including we will start out in Seattle where the old man, he's still got some magic. Swinging his clubbed out to left field to Ichiro. Late break, now charging back out of the warning track. Ichiro about to scale the wall. Ichiro leaps. Does he make the catch? Ichiro makes the catch! He holds it in, robs the home run of Ramirez. Robbing Jose Ramirez yesterday. Oh, what is he, 44, 43? Uh, yes, 44. Somewhere in there. Uh, he looks so decrepit. Have you guys watched him? <laughs> no, I have not He's watched him. He's got the gray Mariners. hair. He just, he looks, he weighs 120 pounds. Does he have a hit yet? Do we know? Because he's playing like he's out there. I At least he got started twice. The first day, I could be wrong. All right. Good oh, for him, look though. Look at that. Did he need an escalator to? Did, did they have like a step stool for him to jump up that high? No, Phil, that would be illegal. They okay. don't allow step stools on the water track unless it's built into the stadium. He's, then it's cool. Okay, because Houston yeah. definitely has a mound. <laughs> he Can was, they get rid of that? Yeah, it's gone. Well, they used to have a they mound took it and out. a flagpole. They took it out. Uh, 
Ichiro is 0 for 3 on Sunday, but he must have a few hits because he's hitting a robust 222. See? Oh, not too bad. Look at that. Ichiro is a very productive like member of the that M's. Down. Yeah, pretty, pretty close. All right, speaking of magic, uh, Kevin Pillar, he's really quick. He plays for the Toronto Blue Jays, who, mm-hmm. two, who took two of four from the Yankees in the opening series. They took Saturday's game, and Pilar helped with that. Blue Jays up 4-3 late innings. He gets a single to right, to uh, a two-out uh, two out single to right to, yeah, maybe get something going. But rather than just maybe get a rally going, he decided to do it all himself. Pilar goes from first. The pitch is inside. No throw by Sanchez. Kevin swipes the bag. The pitch. Pilar breaks towards third base. Pitch runs down and in. Pilar tiptoes standing up at third base. Pilar breaks towards the plate. He's going to see it. He's going to score. He scores standing up. Potensis throws it back to the backstop. Wow. Just all steal back. all three. Was it a straight steal of home? Correct. Yeah, standing up, too. That, wow, that's impressive. Very Willie Mays Hayes like. Mm-hmm. Do you think the first baseman asked him, uh, where you think you're going? <laughs> About 90 feet. (laughs) (sighs) Let's start with Sunday night baseball instead of the Sunday afternoon game. The Sunday night crew was having a little trouble when Alex Rodriguez, just during a break, decided to grab a bottle of water and lube up the old throat a little bit and... You seem to have seen this clip, I saw, this. I saw the clip, too. It's Did amazing. you see how he yeah. opened the bottle yes. of water first? It's I, weird. I, I like he was popping it. a champagne bottle. Instead yeah. of twisting the, the deal off, yeah. he used yeah. both thumbs to pop it up and gripping the bottle, and you pop it up, and then you're going to squeeze it. But how it do you and, even do that with a bottle cap? Well, I don't he did know. it. Well, moments ago, America got a good view as to uh, why I dress like I do, because these <laughs> things happen. There it is. First and last time Alex wears an expensive suit on a Sunday night. He nailed uh, me, too. I got it in my eyeball. So, okay, if you're that rich. <laughs> yes. Explain. You yes. probably never open your own bottles, right? Like other people just you like know how hand he you opened a bottle it? of water. He opened it like you would open a bottle of of flavored water that they would give an athlete. You know those pop, the pop-top type of deal? Like if you buy, no, I'm, I don't think either of us know what yeah. the hell you're talking about. Go to the store and buy and buy a flavored w- water. A bunch of them have, but there's flavored ideal, water with regular caps. Sure, sure, too. but I'm just saying that you also can take the the wrapping off and it pops up if you flip it with your thumb. That's the only thing I can think of about why you would get confused hmm. because there'd be no other reason to attempt to flip it off with your thumb when it clearly should just be unscrewed. So it's like he wasn't used to this type of top, which makes no sense. But why else would you do it? Deep deep bottle cap knowledge with Judd Zolgatter. But I, I buy a flavor. There, there is, I forget, It's I'm trying to think of the name of it, but you He's flip it up. Bottle cap whisperer. Flip it up. Bottle cap whisperer. He knows all about the flavored water. Flip it up and indulge. Jessica just has to be careful next time. She's sitting by A-Rod. Oh, all over her, like she said. I mean, it hit your eyeball. Did you see on Thursday they were playing, that was the first uh, A-Rod Mendoza Vasgersian game, and they they just showed during the commercial break, J-Lo just popped in to say hi to hubby. Yeah, no big deal. Just like walked in, little kiss. And just, just boyfriend, hi, not yeah. hubby. Okay, boyfriend. Don't go too far. Yeah. Are they engaged or are they just, they're just I taking it step still by just step? they're still dating, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Sunday afternoon, ESPN was also covering baseball. It was the Carl Ravitch crew. And joining the crew for a little while, we know him as Brockmeyer. Wait, he was in the booth? In the booth, <laughs> in character, 
What are your favorite home run calls? The one that was most beloved back in Kansas City was, oh, somebody stick me in a long Italian boat because that one is gondola. <laughs> um, probably the worst one was, oh, I think I see the female lead from the, the Schwarzenegger movie, The Running Man, because that ball is Maria Conchita Aganzo. So that one was too, too esoteric for most people. And one more. Uh, some other one. Oh, that ball well hit. That ball cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery because it just got tattooed. Oh. <laughs> I completely missed that. Dude, oh my gosh. Have you guys seen? Did you guys watch the first season of Brockmire? Or are you guys? I watched about a bunch. I, I but saw not the whole probably ninety percent of it. Yeah, oh there was one or gosh. two I missed. Okay, yeah, I Dude, like it is. It's amazing. It's yes. now been well. It's season two starts up pretty oh, soon, and yeah. I saw it was renewed for seasons three, three and four. Three and four. Already, yeah, we so. already. Yeah, we're four in. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He was on in character. I want to say the entire Levitard show one day last week. Yeah, saw some photos. Go of that. back and podcast that if you can. I heard a, a few minutes of it, but my gosh, the guy's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, speaking of not brilliant, the one non-baseball note we have: Jim Nance, really? And on the same day, he creates a Hall of Fame Mimi. Oh, oh my gosh! I heard it Saturday. Yeah. No. And on the same day, he creates a Hall of Fame Mimi. Referring no. to Grant Hill's face as, uh, was it Wagner of the, the yes. Wolverines yeah, had to yeah. fly jump towards, over the table? Yes. and Meme would be the... meme It's yeah. the meme In fairness, it's one of those words where if you've never said it out loud, there might be some question. It's spelled M-E-M-E. So if, you've, if, you, if you're just taking a stab for the first time and you've somehow never heard someone actually say the word meme, I could see how maybe... Hello, friends. That would be wrong. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Amazon will be adapting this classic baseball movie into a television series that is, quote, less as a traditional reboot and more as a modern look at the story, A League of Their Own. Okay. As a sort of half-hour-y, maybe sitcom-y type thing. Your thoughts? I mean, the movie's amazing. I guess I'd have to see a couple episodes. I don't know. I, my first thought is it's not a terrible idea. Is Jimmy Dugan going to be? Is Tom Hanks going to be? <laughs> I have a hunch. Tom he's might got be other hard things. to guess. Yeah. Tom's kid could do it. Colin Hanks. Yeah, why yeah, not have why? his kid play the manager? Be. So oh, he could be the young, you know, young Jimmy Dugan as a ball player, you know, getting yelled at by Rogers Hornsby. Yeah, throw uh, it back. I like where we're going here. So League of Their Own was it was was it more the plot or was it the amazing cast? Like you had. Tom Hanks, Gina Davis was great in her role. Madonna, was, Madonna in was in the movie. Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, it was it's a pretty star-studded cast too. I, I mean, Rosie O'Donnell's not doing a lot these days, is she? You could probably get Rosie O'Donnell I back. Have no idea. Yeah, it's a good point. Just getting yelled at by Trump and yelling back—that's kind of what she does, right? Well, she was an innovator in that department. Oh right? yeah, I mean, she was all over that like 15 years ago. Long, long ago. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll get to, Shohei Otani, six innings pitch, gave up, what, three runs? I guess he was all right, but he was chucking, boys, with that fastball getting up towards 98. Yeah. Maybe he's for real. Uh, how many hits does he have, too? Because he's been a designated hitter at least a couple times. That's It's going to be a, a fun case study for sure. Right now he has only five at-bats, five plate appearances, and just the single knock. Okay. One strikeout. Yeah. Okay. So the, the thing about this, though, he's, what, 23 years old, he's, so he's a young kid. 
He's coming over a completely different culture, new country, new norms, everything. And not only are you trying to learn how to get the best hitters in the world out, you're trying to yeah, figure out the yeah. best pitchers in the world too. So, but it's fun to watch for sure. All right, good talk, yeah, you guys. Thanks, hey, Jack. heck of yep. a radio show. All right, it is fun to watch. Mackie and Judd back with more <laughs> awkward silences after this. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Give each other $20, okay? Put it on Underhill. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. MLB The Show 18 is now out. Your team, your rivals, your buddies, your hometown. MLB The Show 18 is for baseball fans like you. Take your favorite team to baseball glory or dominate your rival. For those who crave the best of baseball, MLB The Show 18, welcome to the show. Rated E for everyone. Enter to win your copy now on the 1500 ESPN stream player. The one that was most beloved back in Kansas City was, oh, somebody stick me in a long Italian boat because that one is gondola. Um, Probably the worst one was, uh oh, I think I see the female lead from the Schwarzenegger movie, The Running Man, because that ball is Maria Conchita Aganzo. See, that one was too, too esoteric for most people. Uh, some other one, oh, that ball, well hit, that ball cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery because it just got tattooed. That was another one. We're going to get, at some point, we have to get a Brock Meyer full length feature film, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, For God, sure, yes. that'll be it'll be fantastic. Brockmire or Harry Doyle? Oh, I think Brockmire at this point. Don't you guys? Wow, I, I think mean, Harry Brock Doyle Meyer is. I, think, I mean, I, I, let's see what happens in season two. Well, I think it, I think you need a little bit more longevity there for Brockmire. If you're gonna it's been a good spurt so far. If you're gonna do Harry Doyle, do it soon because you you keeps getting sick. Yuke is back now. He, he well, no, some... I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we need to, like, bring him back. I'm saying just based on Major League and Major League Two. Right, but but if Yuke comes back to, to play that, that role, and he's fantastic at that role, my, my point is he keeps getting sick, so do it quick. Because he's got to do the role. Well, no, no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, who's the better baseball play-by-play <laughs> oh, guy? Oh, I thought you were talking about doing movies. <laughs> what do you... Yuke might die, guys. I thought you were <laughs> talking you about doing... <laughs> I thought you were talking about doing a movie off them. No, they, did, they already... I uh, know. I mean another one. I mean another movie, like you could do another, <laughs> like you could do a Harry Doyle whole film. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, Nick, can... How about we just work on Harry Doyle showing up for a, uh, you know, episode of Brockmire, you know, oh, like Joe man. Buck did. See, that, that, yeah, good That's cameo. Good yeah, yeah, nice yes. little cameo, two minutes, he's in and out. Boom. Yeah, they both, I think, you know, both have the chronic <laughs> drinking problem, which is yeah. a good uh-huh. a good connection. Mm-hmm. Brown paper bagging in the play-by-play booth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, did Harry Doyle ever? Did Harry Doyle go to Major League Three when it was the Salt Lake City Buzz, or was that because I've never seen Major League Three? I don't think he did. Okay, I do not know that. Yeah. Um, where Where does Brockmeyer rank among your favorite baseball characters? Period. I mean, it's early, but he's got to be right up there, right? Yeah, he might. Be, he's probably top three for me right now. Yeah, he's pretty. I mean, that's a, that's I mean, it's, a great. It's brilliantly funny and disgusting and horrible and wonderful all at the same time. Yeah, it's hard. I think it's hard for for me. It's hard to pick TV shows to get hooked on now because it's not just like a few networks and HBO doing shows now. It's literally like there are fifty to sixty cable and network channels producing content and Netflix and. Like high school, yes, exactly. And then all the HBO Showtimes, mm-hmm. uh, YouTube has a new. There's a is it YouTube? There's a new uh, Cobra Kai. Have you guys seen this? 
No. Where Daniel LaRusso, they're taking the movie coming out, yeah. Johnny Lawrence and and Daniel LaRusso as rivals, but as adults now. How Daniel LaRusso <laughs> is like this big car salesman and Johnny Lawrence is kind of down on his luck and opens up reopens the Cobra Cup. That's like only on YouTube. YouTube, whatever the platform is. It's hard to pick shows now, is what I'm saying, because there's so many options, and you feel like you have to commit to a season or commit to, like, you know, a binge watch of some kind. But Brock Meyer's worth committing to for the audience who hasn't listened to it, yes. Yeah, in fact, the the baseball announcing thing to me goes back to Roy Firestone, and this was not in a movie, but but he used to, the the guy that did the Up Close show, he used to have a stand-up act in which he had a character that I think his name was Biff Barnes. And he was a baseball broadcaster. And I'm not joking when I think he said that he adopted some of his act from John Gordon. Really? And if you look up the Biff Barnes stuff, it's holla. Three, two, pitch, just outside. (laughs) And it's this whole just running. Put Wally Holland in the the mix, too. Yeah. (laughs) It it is absolutely hysterical. What were some of the Gordonisms? We'll touch them all. Mm -hmm. But what was the story where later in his career where he didn't know who was batting for the Twins? Like some Twins random hitter. Or he lost track in yeah. his mind, and and there's a long fly ball left field, and it's gone. Touch them all, <laughs> twins, man. <laughs> twins, man. <laughs> Touch them all, twins, man. Ah, crap. I don't know who it is, but Gordo. Whatever. My my That's f- my favorite Gordo was was a really tight game. You know, ninth inning, two outs. 2-2 count, and all of a sudden you you get, and down on the farm tonight, and Rochester beats so-and-so 3-2. To... It's like, John, uh, the game, the game. Remember the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so-and-so went deep for the Red Wings. I, John, I don't care right now. It's like when our guy Bert slips into, it's, it'll just be these weird key moments of a game where like, it happened again on Saturday night, I think, in the third inning or something. Kyle Gibson was just, you know, he's six no-hit innings, and it was fourth or fifth inning and Gibson's dealing he's got strikeouts and and he's it's his best performance that he's pro- it's probably one of his better performances even stacked up against last year and all of a sudden Burt goes into and Gibson making his 128th career start like just goes into the stats like we know <laughs> we've all watched Kyle Gibson for five years tell us why he's good tonight it doesn't yeah it doesn't matter that it's his 128th career start Say something funny or say something meaningful to the action on the field. That's what my oh. California math tells me, Phil. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, n- it's not changing now, by the way. Uh, Chris tweets in, yes, Harry Doyle was in Major League back to the minors. He was great and kept the movie together between the minors and majors. Well, Roger Dorn, I think, was also in that movie. I never saw I've that never, movie. Yeah, I've never seen it either. So. Um, Dave, we're going to go early questions today. Oof. Questions going to make an early appearance here. Is is questions ready? I think I got to wake questions up. Yeah, uh, usually questions hasn't warmed up in the bullpen yet, so we might have to give him a couple extra pitches. He's probably got a little something on the Twins. And actually, he told me he heard the item and stuff about a league of their own possibly being rebooted as a TV show. He's got a question off that, too. Oh, I bet he does. Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios.